All right, uh, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at just two verses this morning, verses 19 through 20. I'm going to read these, and then we're going to pray just for a moment. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This morning I want to invite you just for a moment, uh, whatever your week has been, busy, hectic, uh, uh, to just sit in the reality that God is with you this morning. Just take a moment, just a few seconds, breathe slowly, uh, just recognize God's with us, and then I will pray for us. God, we gather this morning because you sent your son Jesus to rescue and to redeem us uh, in the most unexpected way, uh, in the form of a, a baby in a manger surrounded by animals. Uh, so this morning as we open up your word, uh, God, would you show us Jesus? Uh, would you reveal in our hearts and our minds the ways in which we still need to trust you, uh, still need to believe in you, still need to follow you? Uh, for one who's here this morning, God, and uh, they're not sure who you are, would you just reveal yourself to them uh, in the fullness, in the complete picture? of who Jesus is. We pray all this in his name. Amen. So I was at Target last Saturday. Uh, a couple of my stories have started with Target lately. That's not an anti-Target thing. I just was at Target. It's where you go, uh, especially when you have a, a two-month-old newborn. Uh, but uh, the lines were long. Like, I went in, I was just getting some groceries, and I was like, why? And then I realized it was like the last Saturday before this weekend. So everyone was like stressing out. Uh, the line was like all the way back from the self-checkout all the way down to like the cosmetics and like those places by the Christmas cards. Uh, and no one was happy. No one was having a good time. Uh, you could just kind of see the calculations as people were like coming up to the line like, do I really need this stuff? I'm not sure that I actually do, but Christmas is coming. Uh, but the irony was uh, I was there. I was not, uh, I, I found a quick way to the self-checkout line. Uh, that's another story. But um, as that's happening... Uh, I hear on the, like, the PA system, uh, there's a song playing, and the song is singing, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. And you just know there's not peace in that line, there's not peace in that room, there's certainly not goodwill to the other people that are in that line. Uh, and yet that was like, like the Christmassy thing was just the music playing in the background. And for, I think for a lot of us, uh, that's kind of how our Christmas experience goes. Lots of activity, lots of busyness, the schedule is full, the, there's cookies to make, there's presents to wrap, and then Jesus and kind of the story of his birth is kind of like in the background a little bit. Uh, like, yes, we know it's there, and if we stopped and we took a minute to just pay attention to it, like we would recognize it, but for the most part, it's just kind of here, and it's there, and we kind of move on. It's very much background added to whatever we're doing. When Paul the Apostle wrote the letter to the Colossians, he wrote it to them because they were tempted to do the same thing with Jesus in their life. Just kind of keep on doing their plans and their agenda and their way of life and sort of sprinkle Jesus in a little bit here and there, add him kind of when it was convenient or when they thought about it, uh, and just kind of keep on going with their plans and whatever they wanted to do. 
But Paul writes this letter to tell them that you cannot just add Jesus to the background. You cannot just add Jesus to what you're already doing. When you understand who Jesus is and what he's actually done for you, it requires a total rethinking of everything about you. A total reorientation of your entire life because Jesus is over everything. And that's what he's talked about over the past several weeks and months as we walk through this letter together, is that Jesus is not just something you add. He requires a total rethinking of everything about your life, our community, and our world. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at just two verses in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, uh, that come at the end of this, uh, you could call it a creed, you could call it the first Christmas carol, this, this song that earliest, the earliest Christians believed. Now, if you were with us in October, uh, we took several weeks and we just walked line by line through these verses. We just kind of like squeezed everything out of these verses. But I want to just come back to these verses uh, on Christmas Eve because they really tell us what's actually going on in the story that we just read for the kids. What's actually going on behind the scenes? What's actually going on in God's plan and God's purpose on this thing called Christmas? And so we're going to walk through just these two, ver two verses, and I want to just talk about three things. We're going to talk about uh, what happens at Christmas, what actually happens at Christmas, Second, why it had to happen that way. Why it had to happen that way. And then third, how it can happen to you. How it can happen to you. Right, so first, what happens at Christmas? At this thing that we call the birth of Jesus. Look at verse 19, uh, beginning at the very beginning. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now the first thing you should be wondering when you read that is, who's him? Right? Who is this in him? He seems like an important character. If you read to the beginning of the song, you will discover that this him is Jesus. This Jesus that we celebrate, that we sing about, that we have Christmas carols on at Target. This is the Jesus that is in him, in Jesus. But if you read uh, earlier verses, we find that this Jesus is not just another, uh, another holiday figure or not even another religious figure. That this Jesus was there at the creation of all things. That, uh, it says that he is the image of the invisible God. He is with God. He was not created by God, but he is God. And he is with God the Father. And that in him and by him, all things were created, visible or invisible. The galaxies that you see when you look at the James Webb Space Telescope were created by Jesus and through Jesus. The molecules that make up your beating heart right now were created by Jesus and through Jesus, and all those things exist for Jesus. That is who this Jesus is, and he is over and above everything. And so Paul says, in Jesus, what happens? All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I want to walk through this backwards. First, that word dwell. What does the word dwell mean? The word dwell actually means to settle down into. That what happens at Christmas, what is happening in God's plan, is that Jesus comes down to dwell with us. Now, this is a permanent relocation, not a temporary visit, but a dwelling. He is planning to stay. He comes and inhabits our world with us. This is also the same word that is used in the Old Testament to describe how God's glory filled the temple, the building that uh, his people made, and that, that building was overwhelmed with the presence of God. That's what's happening in this dwelling. And so notice, first and foremost, that what's happening here is that God is coming to us, not us going to God. 
which is oftentimes how we think that we have to do this, that I have to find a way to get to God, that I have to do certain things or pray a certain kind of way or act a certain kind of uh, behavior in order to get God to pay attention to me. But that's not what this God does. This God comes to us. This God comes and dwells with us fully and completely. The second thing to see then in this verse is that this God dwells fully in Jesus. That Jesus is not part of this God, or a piece of this God, or a, a, a seed of this God that's going to grow into more God, but all that God is is found in Jesus. All of his goodness and his love, his righteousness and his justice, his character, his power, his authority, all of those things are now found in Jesus, this baby that is born on Christmas. The fullness of God exists in Jesus. Jesus is not born a baby to then become God, but he is born as God, a baby in a manger. But notice then the other word that we need to look at is that God was pleased to do this. In fact, in the original language, the word pleased comes earlier before most everything else in this line. That the emphasis is that this is what God wants to do. Like God doesn't do this because he's like, ah, those people, I guess I'll do it this year. Oh, those people, I can't believe what they would do. God wants to do this, and he finds pleasure and fulfillment in doing this. Right? Like God is not an elf on the shelf watching your behavior, deciding if he wants to take care of you or love you. He's not a Santa figure kind of sizing up who's good or who's bad. He is pleased to send his son Jesus into our world to come to us. Like sometimes, like if you're like me, like sometimes you struggle with like, what is God like? Is he, is he angry with me? Is he happy with me? Has he forgotten me? Does he care about me? Right? Does he hear my prayers? Oftentimes, these are, these are the doubts that creep into my, my mind like on a Saturday night. I don't know what your thoughts are, but sometimes I'm like, what is, what is God doing? This verse tells us God is pleased to be with you. He is pleased to come to you. He does not do this begrudgingly. He does this because he loves you. And so what happens at Christmas is that God becomes fully human in the person of Jesus. This is what Christian theologians call the incarnation, that God takes on flesh. The way I remember that is, is uh, meat in Spanish is carne. So incarnate is in meeting himself, taking on human flesh. That's what happens at Christmas. But the second question then is why? Why that? Why not some other way? Look at what verse 20 says. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Now, the surprising thing here is that the word that comes up is reconciliation. To reconcile means that something is unreconciled or something has ruptured or there has been a break in some sort of relationship. You may be anticipating that there is a relationship that has been unreconciled around the Christmas table and you're just waiting for the drama to come out. There's some sort of issue or tension or break that has occurred. And so what has to happen is a reconciliation, is a coming back together and a repairing of that relationship. See, one of the things that this song tells us is that Jesus is why everything was created. And yet, don't you and I live as if everything was created for us? As if everything was created for me, right? My neighbor was created for me. My spouse was created for me. My money was created for me. My stuff was created for me. All of this was for me. That's what the Bible calls sin. 
when I place myself at the center of the universe, that Jesus properly deserves to be. And we all do that in big ways and in small ways. And that's going to create a rupture. That's going to create a lack of reconciliation. And that's why we have distance from God. That's why we have brokenness in our world. That's why we have war and violence in our world. It's because we act as if we're the center of the universe. But notice how God fixes this. He says, and through him to reconcile to himself. What this is saying is that God takes the first step. Praise God that he does. God takes the first step. You know if you've had that like tiff with someone in your family or, or a friend or whatever, like you know who's going to be the one to take the first step. Right? It's like, are you going to do it? Am I going to do it? Am I going to ask for forgiveness? Are you going to say I'm sorry? Right? The back and forth of it is really awkward, and a lot of times it gets stuck there. But this verse is saying God takes the first step. He takes the step to initiate reconciliation, and that's what he is doing through Jesus. It says through him, that same Jesus through him, to reconcile to himself. It's his plan. It's his purpose. It's what he wants to do. This is what Christians call grace. That grace means that I don't try to get God's attention, that I'm not trying to prove that God needs to come to me. I don't want God, and yet God pursues me. He comes to me in my sin. He comes to me when I'm acting like I'm the center of the universe. He says, let me fix this. Let's reconcile. Now notice the scope of this reconciliation. He says, through him to reconcile to himself all things. You know what counts as all things? All things. Every single one of us in this room. Everything on your calendar. Everything in your home. Everything in our neighborhood. Your neighbor. The schools. Everything is caught up in God's plan. He wants it all. And he's going to get it all. Right? That's what he is doing. Right? That this is not just about you. That this is actually what God is doing in the world around us. He wants to bring everything back to himself. Why? Because he's the one who properly owns it in the first place. He's the one who created it for himself in the first place. And so he wants to bring it back to himself. And he does this through Jesus. You see, what Jesus accomplishes when he comes into our world is so much bigger than just you and me. So much bigger than just me and my plans and my agenda. Like God is initiating a take back of the whole cosmos when Jesus shows up. This past week, I was uh, gathered with my discipleship huddle, and we were reading through our catechism. Uh, and the question was, what else does Christ redeem? Uh, and we were reading the commentary, and I joked with the guys because the commentary was so good, I said, I'm just going to read this. Uh, and, uh, and I wasn't, out. I'm, I'm fessing up that I didn't write this, but this is just really good. Uh, but he was describing the gospel, the good news of what Jesus does as the, as the Grand Canyon. Where when you first come to the Grand Canyon, it's like it's, you're awed by the scope of it. But there's so much more to it. Here's what he says. As we first step up to the gospel, what God does in Jesus, we see a most beautiful and awe-inspiring sight, the salvation of sinners, you and me. More specifically, that God through Jesus has graciously acted to save a sinful people to himself. These people are redeemed from sin and made a new creation and are adopted forever into the family of God. It's an amazing, beautiful, incredible message. And at the same time, it is just the beginning of God's saving, redeeming, and renewing work. 
As we head deeper into the gospel, a fuller and more glorious picture emerges. We see that God's saving of sinners was always intended to open up into a deeper, wider, all-encompassing saving of the whole creation. The saving of sinners is the heart of the gospel. It's the fountainhead, and from this fountainhead flows a mighty river, one full of redemptive healing power for every square inch of the universe. That's what God does in Jesus. He's bringing everything back to himself. And so the last point I want to talk about is how does this happen to you? How does this happen to you? Look what it says. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, in order for this to happen to you, God has to do something. God has to do something to Jesus. In order for there to be reconciliation, there has to be a payment. There has to be a forgiveness. There has to be a letting go of sin and failure. And that's what God does in and through Jesus. Now, why Jesus has to be fully human is because he lives the life that you and I were intended to live. And that he dies a death that you and I deserved. Scripture says over and over again, the wages of sin is death, that our rebellion is a rebellion against the God of life. And so where do you think our rebellion is going to get us? And so what Jesus does, he steps into our world to take our place, and he does that through his cross. And he takes the punishment for our sin, the consequences for our sin, on himself and dies in our place. See, the reality of the gospel is that we cannot save ourselves. If we tried, we would fail every single time. But God acts in and through Jesus to forgive our sins, to erase our debt, and to invite us into his family. That's the good news of what God is initiating at Christmas. You see, the irony is, this is, I think, the one season in our culture where we all admit that we need help outside of ourselves. Like, every Christmas movie involves, like, Christmas magic, right? We need it to snow, and then all of a sudden everything is fixed. Or we need a kiss, and then everything is fixed. Or we need something outside of ourselves to come help us and to come fix us. You see, we understand this to some degree, but the reality is that this is what God's doing to us and for us at Christmas, is that he is initiating the rescue. He is taking it on himself to fix our broken world, starting with us, starting with you. And he does this by making peace. But you see, the cross is a decision point. You cannot approach it and walk away. You have to make a decision. You have to understand that this is what God has done. God has taken every step to bridge the gap that you and I had so thoroughly dug. And he says, will you cross that bridge and come to me? Will you turn and embrace the reconciliation that I am initiating through Jesus? And that's a yes or no decision. That's not a like maybe, maybe next week. It's a decision. And that's what Jesus comes to do. Now, how can that happen to you? I just, there's just three things I think any one of us can do this morning. The first is that some of us need to receive that peace. We need to actually receive that peace. That God won reconciliation. It's, it's a gift. And I know that's kind of a trite example, but if I give you a gift, you have to choose to open it and unwrap it. That's the picture that we have of what God is doing in Jesus. He sent his son to die for you. Are you going to receive him? 
And the scripture says anyone who trusts in him, who repents of their sin and believes in him, they are made a new creation. And that brings this peace that God won for us. God did that for you. Will you receive it? Some of us, we need to receive that peace this morning. Some of us, we need to rest in that peace. We need to rest in the fact that God did this for me so I know his heart for me is good. I know his presence with me is secure. I know that whatever my year has looked like or my circumstances look like or my holiday looks like, God is with me because of Jesus. And so I can face whatever I'm facing this morning. I can face whatever this week is going to look like. I can face whatever grief or hardship or heartache that I'm carrying this morning because I know that God is with me and he won peace for me. And so nothing can take that away. So some of us need to rest in that this morning. God is with me? Amen. Some of us need to, though, radiate that peace. The letter of Colossians does not stop here. It goes on and talks about how we then live out peace in our community. Peace with others, right? Sometimes this week is hard because you're going into some hard circumstances with family or with friends. We need to become people who radiate the peace that Christ won for us. To make peace where there is brokenness. To offer forgiveness where there is resentment. That's how we then show what Jesus has done as we seek to make peace in our circles, in our family, and wherever he calls us to. Because he has made peace with us. And so we can then make peace in the world around us. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you that you have come to us in Jesus. You have crossed the gap of our sin, our rebellion, our brokenness, our resistance to you. God, for one who's here this morning, they think of you as uh, a Santa or an elf on the shelf who's just expecting them to be good and then they'll bring blessings. Would you show them that they need you, that you took the step, that you initiated the peace, and they're simply invited to receive Jesus this morning? Would you not allow people to rest until they know that they have that? God, would we rest in the peace that you won for us, knowing that our sins are forgiven, our relationship with you is secure because of what you've done for us in Jesus. And will we be people of peace and a community of peace in a world that is so often violent and broken? We thank you for Jesus who comes to us fully and completely God. Amen.